Welcome to Healing for Healers with Abby Wynn and Regina of the Land. And now a prayer. Father Sky, Grandmother Moon, please bless this healing space. I call on the four directions, the north, south, east and west, to hold us in the energy of love, compassion, beauty, healing, lightness and joy. I invite in the wisdom of the ancestors, angels, ascended masters and star beings to enrich our conversation, inspire us and use us as channels for light, love and healing. I call on Mother Earth, the star systems and all the planets to open the pathways so we may present to you the best, richest information. Have access to the highest vibration of healing energies. And offer what is most needed for those who need it right now. And so it is. And so it is. Well, hello. I was actually up in Northern Ireland at the weekend and I was having this conversation with some with someone and it was amazing because we were both sort of similar in age and we were talking about Halloween and uh, because, you know, so many people know it as Halloween. But it was irritating me. Now, this is just a pet peeve of mine. The amount of pumpkins that are associated with Halloween. And in Ireland, that really irritates me. Now, I stand to be corrected. If somebody else has some wisdom on this, please let me know. However, the pumpkin is an American thing, right? Mm. That the Irish, when the Irish left Ireland and went over to the States, what used to be used here in Ireland was turnips. But you didn't have them over there in the same quantities or sizes. So pumpkins were adapted. So it's so sad for me to see that the pumpkins are now introduced into Ireland where we've lost the whole connection with where, you know, those creepy things came from was actually turnips. Which I think, I think you're, you're talking about a bigger issue here, Regina. Um, there's a severe dilution of cultural traditions going on in every country. Mm. True. You know, True. we're all just bleeding into each other now. And I was just hearing there's 55,000 Ukrainians getting Irish, you know, social security numbers. So what are their Halloween traditions and how are they going to change and adjust? And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's interesting. Yeah. You know, it's just, just the way things are. But I'm wondering why does it bother you so much that we don't well, use turnips? Well, it wasn't that necessarily we don't use turnips. It was more the fact that we used to grow turnips here. And now you have people growing pumpkins, which I know it's market drivers. But it's more the case of look to where it came from. You know, it <laughs> used to be. I'm sorry. I just imagine my little girls going into Starbucks and ordering a turnip spice latte. It just doesn't roll off the tongue. <laughs> exactly. It's all marketing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's it. The turnip wasn't a sexy enough vegetable, right? The pumpkin was bigger and better <laughs> and easier to carve because you'd break a knife trying to carve a turnip. You would. You, know, they're, you would. Yeah, they're harder. At the inside. 
at least you know the pumpkin on the inside is a bit soft and squashy, easier to handle. But uh, yeah, but look at the waste of them. You, you know where people cut up all these all these pumpkins. You know, huge pumpkins, and you see you see them around. Now, in fairness, I'm not a lover of pumpkin flavor, so maybe that has coloured my flavour. But we were talking about the old traditions mm-hmm. uh, and the games that, you know, the households used to play and where it all came from and the different traditions and cultures. So it was a very interesting conversation, but it was talking about how Samhain, um OK, Samhain in the old Celtic tradition was one of the major holidays. And how we know it was one of the major holidays, because we don't have books to prove it, was the time of year and the alignments, how these old buildings were built with these alignments. So there are a couple of sites which have alignments with the sunrise at Samhain, which would have been the astrological holiday, which tends to be around the 7th, 8th of November, Whereas, you know, we've talked about it before with the Roman calendar, you know, it's fixed Halloween 31st. But uh, Liz O'Gahill in now I'm no, I'm not pronouncing that name right in an ancient site in Caramore up in Sligo. That's aligned with sunrise. Um, was it sunrise or sunset? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting confused here this morning. For the salmon. Yeah. And there's all of these wonderful alignments. It's sound halfway between equinox and solstice then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But again, a lot of the holidays are connected with the Roman calendar, which, you know, is a fixed day, which is the 31st of October. And, you know, it's interesting how so many parts of the world actually have a similar type holiday uh, around death. You have uh, Mexico and that is Des Des Muertos. I I apologise, I don't know what time of year that's on. But, uh, you know, we do have these cultures around the world celebrating death and the liminal curtains between the other world and this world. And I know in Ireland where the dressing up and the costumes came from was the belief at the time around Halloween or Samhain that the veils were so thin that the ancestors went or came to visit us that night and they would um, as well as that some malevolent forces could come visiting and if they recognised you they could take you. So if they couldn't recognise you they couldn't take you. So that's where that whole background of people dressing up in costumes to disguise themselves from the Fae came from. Uh, if you just step away from modern, in quotation, calendars and Gregorian and everything and notice how, okay, with the turning of the energy, so the equinox is equal day and night and the solstice is the shortest day. And then in the middle of that, it's like you're really going into the darkness. Mm-hmm. But it's also that recognition that you can hear spirit better at those times. And um, what I love is how the parity, the the similarity across the world, when they listen to and connect to the energies of these things, as opposed to thinking what you should be doing, it's mm. the same. It's exactly the same thing. 
you know, with, with more and more of these movies coming out where they're celebrating diversity in different cultures, we've got the celebration of Diaz des Mortos and one of my kids' favorite cartoons. And it's a similar thing where the dead come and visit for the day. Yeah. And they dress up and they celebrate and they have a party. And um, I mean, it's beautiful. It really, really is. Um, it's a turning, it's a changing, it's an ending, it's a new beginning. It's also the Jewish New Year. And, you know, Celtic New Year coming in around this time as well. And the falling of the leaves and the going the going into those darknesses where you can really clear what's coming up for you and then purify even for the for the year to come next year. So it's um it's an interesting time. It's you know, rather than getting depressed and thinking, Oh, the sun is going and we won't have so much sun, just go, Okay, well it's an opportunity to go within. But it's all it's always an opportunity to go within. Again, it's a case of do you want to work with the energies or not? And, you know, there's a beautiful ancient site in Ireland connected with uh, Queen Maeve, Onagat, Rathcrohan. And that is associated with Halloween. And that has the horrific name of the Hellmouth of Ireland where uh, the Morrigan, you know, that this monster at Halloween uh, comes out of the ground, you know, where there's at times there's a lot of fear associated with this. And I think I think that's the opportunity where people have at this moment in time is to actually look at where where are your fears? Where are the things that you're afraid to look at? What are the blind spots? Mm. What is it that you don't want to do? Like, OK, you know, I've, I've said it before, being dyslexic. I absolutely hate paperwork. Oh, my God, it's like torture. <laughs> OK, for me, you know, but there was something. Oh, that's only- sorry. I'm just having an image of like, um, do you know, in Harry Potter, where they give you the thing you're afraid, afraid the most. What is that? The bog art. And he hops out of the water. Yeah. It's like, so one guy gets this horrible, scary monster. And then for Regina, she has to read all the books in the library. <laughs> 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 oh, this is <laughs> and write a report. <laughs> and write a report on them, yeah. <laughs> Absolute horrific torture. Yes, that, that's, that's, my, that's my worst case scenario. But I actually need it to um, find something that uh, was important. So I needed to go back through paperwork. I had, believe it or not, going back over 15 years. Right. So Mm. this was rough for me. And what was worse was I had to read through stuff and I had to highlight and I had to, you you know, find very relevant stuff I was looking for. And I kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off until I absolutely had to. And I was wrestling with myself. What's your fear? Why? And eventually I said, right, OK, so over a couple of nights, that was it. That's what I did. And I blocked out everything else. I just, you know, I just stuck my head down, took out the boxes of files and page by page by page, went through all of those things. And oh, my God, the sense of relief. Yeah. When I actually did it. And was it as bad as you thought it was going to be? No, but you see, this was it. It was the fear of it rather than the reality of it. And a lot of occasions, it's the fear of it stops us for doing things like own the gat. There are people I know who won't go down there. Right. You know, you have to crawl through 
um, a suit raining down into sort of like a birth canal down into a cave. And I've been in there and I'm being very respectful because the Morrigan is there and I asked permission to go down and I've brought people down there before. And that's that's great. But there are people who are absolutely terrified to go there, down there and won't cross that threshold. Well, I haven't been down there. (laughs) But it's more about the muddiness and the crawling and also the state of my physical body. But I'm stronger than I was physically and able to handle something like that now. Yeah, but it's also facing fears because the Morrigan down there will bring up your fears and whatever you bring down will be amplified. That's Mm. been my experience of going in there as a shaman. So I am always respectful going in there. Is there fear? Of course there is, because there needs to be you because you can't be blasé going down there. However, that's really wonderful. Actually, there's a scene in, in one of the new Star Wars where it's a similar thing where they go in the cave and they meet their worst fear. So we actually have a real life cave under the ground where you can go in and meet your deepest fear. Oh, yeah. And you see, for me, uh, my belief is that was used for warriors, you know, because it, it was a part of an initiation. And... I've actually been there at Samhain at midnight when, you know, the worst Nicola, thing the height of it, yeah. Yeah, and the energies were absolutely amazing and it was stunning and it was a privilege to be there. And that's right a few years ago and at some stage in the next couple of weeks I'll be up there again. And that's something that every time I go down there is different because my fears are different stuff that is that I'm carrying in there is different. So we are constantly evolving and changing. So stuff that was shadow and that, you know, had great fear at one stage has a different fear now. So every time I go in there, what I'm dealing with is different. Do you know what's interesting at the minute, though, when you're talking about the shadow work is I'm really getting a sense around polarity and collective work. This is kind of what I'm looking at at the moment because I'm always trying to unpick some kind of mystery. (laughs) It's the mystery I'm unpicking at the minute because what's happening is we've gone from a phase where it's very much about you and me as separate and you do your work, I do my work. But what's happening is the part of you and the part of me, that's spirit, along the polarity of where you have spirit in free form, like creator or source or God, and then spirit as fragments in people, it's becoming blurry. As you raise your frequency, we're more connected than ever before. And so what's rising up as fear in the collective is amplified across the collective. So you might be going down there to deal with your fear, but it's your fear now, as you say, but it's being risen in you as a result of it being risen in me, as a result of it being risen in someone else, as opposed to it being your specific personal thing, it's rising in all of us the same fear, which is really interesting because the more of us that clear this and do the work, it makes it easier for the others to do it and clear it as well. Hmm. Do you know, my head went off on a tangent there as you were talking. Yeah, um, but you see, when you're you're in your work and you're doing your stuff and you've got your your, your different colleagues and your different projects and your different things going on, but yet we're all moving through the same storm and we're all getting bombarded with the same energies and it's rising things in people. Mm-hmm. And more and more people are more and more sensitive to this. I'm, I'm just seeing it very strongly in my communities and the healing communities and I'm working with healers and working with clients and working with groups that what's really come up is the desire to see the truth 
the willingness to say, okay, well, maybe my truth and your truth aren't actually a real thing and that the truth supersedes what I think is true and what you think is true. And then we have to be willing to let go of our attachment to wanting to be right. And the fear is, well, what's going to change in my life if I do that? That's one of the biggest fear, the distrust. I mean, what if everything I believed is wrong? What if, you know, and, and, and who do so we trust? What? That's your, you know what I mean? That's the, that's the free will. Everybody has the choice to, to choose that. Absolutely. And this is what's coming up at the moment for people. And it's what you say, the perceived fear in your mind is always more than the actual fear when you get there and you're faced with it. Yeah, but you see, this is where it's interesting. Fears are so different for so many people. And I know you're talking about the collective. So it could be people who are working, you know, in specific areas. But I would meet, there are some weeks I'd meet hundreds of people. And fears are so different. And there's, okay, there's general fears around economy and uh, lack and wealth and lack of wealth. There is always, you know, fears around that. Um, I'm not saying there should be, but you know what I mean? It's a fact of life to live here, you know, to function in this world. But different people have different fears and also different age groups are looking at things differently. A lot of the younger people I'm seeing a lot with anxiety. Um, Let's put it this way. People I've been meeting lately, some of the older people are more angry and it's more anxiety with younger. There are there's fears and emotions which are quite different with different people. That's what I'm witnessing as I go about day to day. And, you know, I'm part of me then is smiling because we bring sound back into it where they're going along and, oh, we'll dress it up. We'll uh, put up these, you know, horror pictures and stuff like that, like as if they're disguising what their fears are actually are. And uh, they're window glassing over it. Yes. But it's interesting what you say, because I came up with Mary Helen and that's in the previous episode to this one where we're talking about younger people being more anxious. And um, one of the reasons why we came up with it is that their ability to self-soothe is missing because they're grounded in anchored into things on the Internet and they're looking at what everybody else is doing. And it's like your sense of self is fragmented because um you're always checking and always, you know, needing that 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 connection outside of yourself to, to do that. And then I'm thinking what you just said is really interesting because it's like a competition then. Who can be the scariest? Who can be the, the best competition? And, you know, all of that. And it's, it takes you out of your center. You need to go down in a cave and meet the Morgan and that'll bring you right back into your body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but again, there's also there, you know what I mean? It depends on what you do. Like you can do that. That's the vision quest that a lot of people do at various stages, you know, um, that you at certain stages, you do go into that quiet space as you evolve. Like I know myself at times I've gone into you know, the metaphorical cave where I've gone away on my own um, to face something and work my way through it. And I do that every so often because I need to do it. And I know you do it. You go away yourself as well at, at various stages. But what I'm noticing more and more is people aren't, they aren't oh, able to be alone. And on their own. They're 
they think they are. They could be lonely, but they're not actually on their own. They're there and they're friend, you, you know, they're scrolling their phone. They're they're there on their own, but they're connecting into other things and they're incapable of actually being disconnected from that and actually being on their own with their own thoughts, with their own feelings and with their own fears. I mean, what you're what you're saying there is bringing up an issue for me around noise and what defines noise and how much noise there is. And I find it very noisy in the city. Mm-hmm. And with the tinnitus, it's noisy enough in my head. And right now, as we're talking, there's noise beneath me because the laundry room is underneath my room here and I can hear the washing machines tumble and the tumble dryers mm-hmm. tumbling. And um, I always have a song playing in my head. And that's noise. And I was just getting so fed up with that yesterday. So just stop playing the fucking song in my fucking head. And it's me doing it, but it isn't. I think um, thought forms have a frequency and vibration and they can be very quick or very slow. And that music can, can be a way to perpetuate the thought forms. And it's about catching it and slowing it down. I have an exercise I use with clients like a hamster in a hamster wheel. How fast is it going? That's your thoughts. And to kind of get the image of the hamster and the hamster wheel in resonance with whatever your brain is doing and then get them to slow down and slow down. And you're bringing in the power of your will to slow down your mind. But, I, but you know, living in a house, there's six of us and a dog and a cat and the neighbors are quite close and there's always a light on and there's a radio on and there's people mm-hmm. on the street and there's cars going past. And I know you have more noise than I could cope with where you live. <laughs> but, um, it's about finding finding ways to make that sanctuary. I got a diffuser for the bedroom, okay. a little one to put on the bedside locker. And uh, I made a nice combination of oils and it has a little hum going. So mm-hmm. instead of my head, the noise that's in there, I focused last night on the noise of the diffuser, which wasn't unpleasant. And then the lovely essences coming into the room was were quite comforting to just you know, to look after yourself like that. And I thought I actually had the best sleep I've had in a long time. Brilliant. Doing that. So anyone who's listening, you know, what can you do for yourself to shut down the noise and to get that silence? And I've noticed I'm actually sitting in the living room now and leaving the phone somewhere in the house and I can't find where it is because I'm not that connected to it as I was, which is also important. But having an awareness and a desire to, you know, you can't, you can't just do it. You, you know, it doesn't just happen. You have to make it happen. And you have to find a way to make it happen because, again, it's what works for you because everyone is different. For me, yes, I live in Dublin city centre and there's a lot of noise around me at all times of the day and night for a whole variety of reasons. Even last night at half five in the morning, there were people you know, banging around overhead. And, you know, that's okay. That's that's life. And once I heard that sound and realized what it was, yeah, Grant, went back to sleep. Okay. Smells for me would work in a different part of the brain. I would use that in the daytime, not the nighttime. I would Mm. use sound to cancel sound. Sound to cancel sound, yeah. Yeah. So for me, I love audible. (laughs) I know. And there's a couple of books and there's a 
couple of different people I would listen to. And I just put it on and I fall asleep. So, you know, these are people who I'm not invested in the story they're telling. Don't tell them that. <laughs> God forgive me. But they you have know, a nice voice. It's not even, the, maybe it's the fact that what they're saying is boring and I fall asleep. <laughs> Isn't that funny though? I mean, if your nightmare is to have to read the library, but yet you're doing it in your sleep. <laughs> Someone else is reading it out loud to you. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, well, you see, that's it. I can hear audible as in and I'm also have auditory processing. So there are times for me I can just switch off because it's like a like you with the little humdrum of the incense burner or a diffuser. For me, it's the humdrum of somebody talking mm. rather than the book. It's somebody talking. That's the difference, because if I try to read before I went to sleep, that wakes my brain up. Yeah. So that's why me reading before bedtime was never a thing. But that's OK, because everybody is different. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, they are. Yeah. But yeah, so going back to Samhain and the time of year. It is a time where you look at your fears. Well, for me, it is anyway. And it's a time I look at clearing out stuff. As I said before, around Equinox, I, I have this feeling, oh, I need to tidy. I need to clean. And it's different because you hear people talking about spring cleaning and spring tidying. But for I me, just no. I've done that. Just went through my entire wardrobe and threw stuff out. You know, what's interesting as well, you're talking about clearing and looking at your fears and what's rising up to let things go. That manifests as, as illness. And we oh, always have do. a tendency to get sick in the winter and it could actually be spiritual, you know, process and healing is being sick. And it's better to just not be afraid of it. Yeah. And again, you know, different fears for different people. With me, Sometimes when I'm clearing, I'm coughing and that's OK. It's a lack of trust in the body's ability to look after itself. It means you're afraid that when you're sick, that you're just never going to get better. And that's a fear that's I think it's conditioned in a way. Disempowering fear. Yeah, but come on, you know, there are people. We've all had people in our lives who have been ill and who have, you know, have left this world you know, through their illness and that's been their journey. But I think it's how you deal with it. Everybody has. I'm in tune with my body, so I know what's going on. I know when things are off balance. But there are some people who are not connected to their bodies and they're so disconnected that they're actually unaware that something is developing. Mm, and I sometimes they that. leave it too. you know, they can leave it too late to go seek help. Uh, and who are we to judge who somebody else's path is? We don't know what's going on in their journey. And as I say, we know we all know people like that. I think the need to judge people is, is, is diminishing vastly as we accept. This is me and this is you and that's them. Mm. And this is what we're doing. And as long as we're not hurting anybody. Exactly. 
It's amazing when we hit these tough, uh, meaty little segments, right? Okay, where's my head gone off to? What am I thinking here now? <laughs> but that's it, you know, it, it, when when you dissolve it and dissect it and break it open and look at it, scrutinize it, that's what it boils down to. That's why I'm looking at polarities, because polarity is on the same, I wouldn't even call it a spectrum or a classification, let's say like heat. This is the simplest one I can think of. You know, like the opposite of cold is hot, but they're mm -hmm. both temperature. And somewhere in the middle, you can't tell if it's hot or cold. You know, or love and hate. The opposite of love is hate. But the only difference between them is, is, is intensity. And then, you know, like someone's going to say, someone's going to not, not like or not care so much whether, you know, like food, do you like this food? I don't know. I don't have a preference. Hmm. You know, so there's like this moment in the middle and um, it's not, not one of these is better than the other. It's just a thing. So you don't even have to judge it. You're not going to judge it if it's 12 degrees or if it's minus 12. It just is what it is. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you're not judging the temperature. So why are you going to judge where someone else is on the chart of vibration and frequency and personal growth? It's not something to be judged, but it's, it's, um, doesn't mean you put up with behavior that's um, not not acceptable. No, no, that's different. Yeah, that's different. So, yeah, so the veils between the worlds, it's interesting then how much of our fears come through us from our ancestors as well, stuff that, that we have to let go on behalf of, of the family line. Oh, yeah, like even in Ireland, think of the... The whole thing around uh, uh, the famine and, you know, the focus on lack and the fear of like that's been handed down through generations. Which goes back to 1840. So many people who have grown up have fear of not having enough food, who uh, have fear of not having enough. Hmm. And they have and, seen that going through the DNA as well, that it's actually in your DNA. Yeah. So if you have, if you, if you have suffered as a nation, wherever you are around the world, that is carried. So that is, as you say, part of the ancestral healing that has to happen because we all carry the story. We all carry the story of our ancestors. And then you go back to what we were saying about the dilution of the different cultures and you can see why there's so many disagreements and so many people not understanding each other because the fundamental wounding is different between different countries and then they don't, it's, it's, so that's where you need more compassion and understanding of the other to make yeah. a place for that. Like me joking, uh, you know, about, oh God, I can't stand pumpkins at Halloween. You know, I... Am I going to get annoyed with somebody over? No, I'm not. I'm, a, I'm saying it as a topic of conversation that it was interesting how it irked me, you know. And we were talking about the old days where we used to, you know, carve pump, uh, turnips and how, you know, some of the old traditions are changing. But there are still, you know, that little thread going through that there is one common thread. And yeah. I actually treated myself to uh, a mug for Halloween and the mug actually is of the Mexican uh, Des de Murtos with the uh, with the skulls all uh, 
have happily um, covered in flowers. So, you know, we can mix all the, all the cultures. And I think it's important that we have something to learn from uh, from all of them. But it is interesting. Again, I come back to that every culture has something to celebrate the death and a time of year that honours the dead. Mm. That's that's what it comes back down to, where we honour those who have gone before us. So what would be a good way of honouring somebody if people listening haven't done it yet or, or, or are thinking of ways to do it? It comes back to the old thing of, uh, cook, you know, have a meal, cook their favourite food and raise a glass to them. That's simple. Mm, that's nice. Yeah, like as if they're part of it. Set a plate uh, at the table for them. Yeah, I can't. Oh, forgive, forgive me on this. There is one island and I cannot remember where it is. And they do a specific thing where they actually dig up their ancestors. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, and seriously. And they take them and they party with them and they bring the physical body of their uh, loved ones. It, and it happens every couple of years. It It is a specific place. And uh, they do actually have a party like in certain cultures, they party in the graveyard. Hmm. And I think I way, that. <laughs> that's a way of including, you know, the the ancestors. You can find ways, you know, it's um, again, it's whatever means something to you. To go into the grave if there is a grave and sitting down, having a cuppa and a chat. Yeah. Or even thinking of them, having a toast for them, mentioning their name. Yeah. Calling them by name. Because there's another school of thought that you die when no when your name is never said ever again. Mm. So this is where, you know, there's many ways of honouring our ancestors in different ways. And it doesn't have to be complicated or highfalutin. Like something recently, and it's one of the things I'm going to be doing hopefully before Christmas is uh, my father, he is in his late 80s and his grandparents, when they died, they were, you know, like you're talking, oh God, um, 70, 60, 70 years ago. And in fact, one was over 80 years ago. There wasn't the tradition. It was, they were so poor they could, to bury them was the biggest achievement financially to actually have a grave and to have a funeral was the big thing. So one of the things dad had on his wish list was to actually find their grave. Mm. And that was one of the things we did a couple of months. Well, a couple of weeks ago, actually, we had the old grave papers and we actually went out to the old cemetery and we found the grave. And it's unmarked in between other graves. So one of the things I've done is I've got a marker now for the grave. So I just need to get all their names on a plaque and get that put there. So that's, that's lovely. Yeah. So that's that's a way I'm honouring my ancestors. That sounds great. I'm thinking of my mother who, you know, has a photograph of her mother with flowers beside it and lights a mm. candle beside it. You know, yeah. you don't have to travel anywhere necessarily. Just have them in your heart and in your thoughts. 
Exactly. You know, it's like here, okay, I don't have a picture. Well, I have one family picture of mom out at the moment. And it's a picture of us all at a specific time. And I don't single her out, even though she's passed now uh, two years. It's more honouring the whole family. And I carry them. I carry their energy in me. And I remember them. I remember them often. Same as even this morning. There's a picture of Gary in uh, the unit. And uh, it's one, <laughs> one of the ones with his thumbs up. One of the ones that I love. And, you know, every so often I think of him do the thumbs up. Yeah, grand. You know what I mean? That's a way of honouring them. Even thinking of them or saying hi to them. There's so many different ways of honouring them. I know it comes naturally to you, Regina, but lots of people don't even think about it. They don't know where to start. So there's loads of, of great options there. For people. I know. And, you know, even my brother, who wouldn't be on the path that I'm on, his way of honouring my mum's memory or his mum's memory is actually to go up to the grave to water the flowers. Hmm. That's lovely. And that's uh, that's important. So it's again, it's everybody has their own different way of honouring those who have gone before. You know, what was lovely was um, I think it was Judy Dench has a forest and she plants a tree for everybody yeah. that she knows. I mean, I love that, too. I think that's beautiful. You have families who when kids grow, they plant trees and there's a friend of mine who has a tree planted for each of uh, their children. And she actually has some of the placenta buried with each of the trees. Mm. And those trees are very special trees and those trees honour the lives of each of those children. And they're planted in such a way that at some stage, if the children, you know, when they grow up and move off, that they can take their tree. Wow. Yeah, I think that's really beautiful. I do too. But then I also think, well, what if something happens to the tree? And are they going to be so connected to it that it'll affect the psyche? Nah, I don't think like that. Okay, well, we're different. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather just plant a tree and say, there you go, there's a tree, it's on its own now. We, you know, it's going to do its best. It's, it's, prog it's progress. It's, it's like the, 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 the painting of Dorian Gray. <laughs> you know, the progress of the tree does not affect the progress of the person it's connected to. I'm sorry, I don't know. I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, kind of well, I, I like to write fairy tales. So that would be a story for a fairy tale. Ah, okay. Okay. Means, sorry, I don't know who Dorian Gray is. No, it's the picture in the attic gets old because Dorian Gray never gets old. So as he goes about, he's always in his 30s and the, and the painting in the attic gets older and older and older. So he's connected to it. It's a great story. Okay, that reminds me of social media and everybody having their filters so they look younger. <laughs> yeah, I know. Or scarier when the scary yes. filters come in for Halloween. But if you can do all of that and you don't look inside and you don't face your fears and you continue to be anxious, you're the one at the end of the day that's going to be still carrying that. Yeah. I mean, I think people owe it to themselves to. And the thing as well that I tell people about fear is that it's amplified in your mind. And if you sat down 
Some are saved. The way you, you, you made a point of taking three nights to sit down and do work that you didn't want to do, that was scaring you. So you mm. didn't want to do it all in one night and you didn't give yourself a panic over it. So if you say, okay, like me with the diffuser making a nice space, if you make a nice space for yourself and when you're feeling in relatively good form, you know, pretty stable, take out the L notebook and write a list of every single thing that scares you about life. I mean, I'm not talking about scorpions because they're kind of scary. But in Ireland, you're not really going to come across a scorpion. So it's not. I have one. Do you remember? We I know. And I'm going, oh, God, what am I doing? I'm drinking myself because I'm, go- I'm going to the desert and I'll probably meet a real one in real life over there. But, you know, but the actual things that are scaring you now, like like the lack and I'm afraid I'm going to run out of money. I'm afraid I won't be able to do this. All these things, write them all down and then go off and have a walk or clear the head and come back in a different energy and look at the list and say to yourself, okay, well, that's an irrational fear because that's never happened and it's not really going to happen. And if it does happen, I'll see it coming and I'll be able to catch it before something, you know, and work your way through the list until you're left with one or two that are genuine, real fears that you need some help with. And then realize and understand that you don't have to go through this life on your own and that these big fears are real. There are things that are real. Yeah. And there are people there that'll help. And so if you just take a minute and think, okay, well, who could I go to around this to help me with this? And maybe it's someone you know, or maybe you need a professional help, like a solicitor or a doctor, you know, or or even or a healer. And say, okay, well, and, and then say, okay, well, I'm going to find that person that's going to help me with this and I'm going to sort it out so that it never bothers me again. And then when you've done that, the fear will still rise up in you, but then you can say to yourself, yeah, well, look, I've done something about it and I have a plan for this and I'm working through it and I'm doing my best. So then take a deep breath and go, okay, I don't need to vex myself over this because I've seen it now. It's right here. It's on the table. It's on the table. And I'm sorting it out. And that alleviates a lot of stress as well. It does. It does. However, it'll still be many years before I have to go through my filing again. (laughs) Yeah, but you've done it now. And, you know... It might just be something that you find tedious or difficult, but I don't think it's scary. It's just a chore. It's a chore. But as well as that, it's also fear that I'll miss something, fear that I'll misread it. Because in the past, it's because I've misread things, I've got into trouble and I've caused. Do you know what I mean? That there is a programming there that I'm not 100 percent sure that I am doing this right Yeah, but then you can say to yourself, this is a really good example. Well, then I will read it really slowly and take as much time as I need to get through it so I don't miss anything. (laughs) No, 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 it doesn't quite. I can still read things slowly. I can still break them down and I can still totally misread something. And the more stressed I am about it, the less chance I have of actually absorbing the content of it. So... That's where I really have to create a certain space that I can actually go through all of that, because as my stress level increases, my ability to extract the information decreases. Then you go into a limiting thought, which is I'm not clever enough to catch this, which is lies. And it could possibly be that you read everything and you don't see it in the moment. But then tomorrow when you're doing something totally different, your brain will say, oh, by the way, Regina, that thing you read, it could also mean this. 
And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. So you have to trust, okay, if there's something here, then I will get it. And if it's not in the immediate moment, then I'll, 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 I'll find out, you know, some something will lock into place. It's like p- social media, okay? When I make a post on social media, I say, may the people who need to see this post today see this post. And you sit down and you say, okay, may I get the information that I need to get from this paperwork? And if it's not going to be today, may it, may it be revealed to me quickly with grace and ease so that I'm not stressing over and just decide, well, it's like getting a parking space. There it is. I'm going to get mm. one. This is it. I'm going to get it. And it's just solidifying that self-confidence, to say, yeah, if it's important, I'm going to be shown it and get your guides to, to, you know, to whisper to you or say page 48, you have to go back and read that one again. And you're like, okay, (laughs) you know, and just trust. Oh, yeah. Well, you see, that's it. In fairness, it is trust that when there are things I need to know when I do, I use books as oracles. I'll never read the whole book, but I'll just take the book. And I'll say, right, guide me to what pages I need. And that does happen. So, yes. Yeah, so it's it's the trust. So I think the fear then, not you in general, you know, but fear in general comes from Mm. a lack of trust. Yeah. In, you know, in life and say, okay, well, I want to strengthen my trust. So I'm going to have faith that it's going to be okay. Yeah. And isn't that a wonderful way of ending it? It is. I'm just going to say that I have faith and trust. So you go down and visit the Morrigan. Uh, you'll send her my love because I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> the relationship between the Morrigan and you, that's your own. <laughs> I'm you not go. stepping into that one. <laughs> there you go. Well, I hope I hope this has been interesting for those of you listening and you have ways now to connect in with the ancestors and ways to deal with fear and some, you know, things to think about or how you could make the darker days more comfortable for you to look after yourselves through all of this, because, you know, when you, if you don't do your inner work, then you're going to carry around the burden of it. So, you know, just sit down, make the list, get in touch with whoever you need to get in touch with and move through it and we'll all be stronger for it. Well said, Abby. And as always, if, if you've listened up until now, thank you very much. And you're still if, here. Well done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if there is anything you'd like us to touch on or if you have any questions, please feel free. The email is there on the podcast. Um, yeah, Abby, Abby does the technical bit and tops and tails it and puts that information in there. So uh, from me, Regina. Sloan. And from me until next time. If there's anything in this podcast that triggered you, upset you, or stimulated you to want to know more, if you've got questions, or if you have anything at all that you'd like Regina and I to cover on the show, please write to us. The email is healingforhealerspodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time.